Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring our message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Yeah. 
Can we just all raise our hands to heaven right now? Yeah,
God, you are so good that you would love us and allow us to just come just as we are and that you would accept us and not condemn us and you'd forgive us when we ask and that you would wash away all of our sins and shortcomings and all of our disappointments in ourselves and make us clean, make it just as if we'd never sinned. And God, that is mind blowing and we can't even believe it's true and yet we've experienced it and we know that it is. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for your acceptance this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, hello everybody. If you would turn, greet one another and then make your way to your seats. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so glad that you're uh, live streaming with us this morning. We'd love to have you uh, comment in the chat, give us some praise hands, or just let us know that you're with us. You can also make prayer requests online at any time that you would like to as well. If you are new to Fellowship Church, whether you're watching at home or whether you're here in the worship center, we would love to have you text fellowship to 94,000. If you do, it'll take you through a series of very easy prompts, gather a small amount of information and mostly put you in connection with one of our pastors uh, to follow up to see if you have any prayer needs, answer any questions you might have about the church. And eventually we'll invite you to a guest reception where you can get to meet staff in person and get to know a little bit better what Fellowship Church has to offer to your family, but we're just glad that you're here. Um, in just a few moments, we're going to prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And the way that we do that is all online. Um, there's, you can drop it off you can mail it actually, you can drop it in the lobby or you can use your fellowship profile online to give or you can go to Fellowship GJ to give. All the directions are there on the side screens and uh, pick whatever works for you. So my in-laws have an immaculate yard and garden, okay? My mother-in-law is a master gardener and they have all these raised flower beds and it's very elaborate. But there's a small section that's set aside for the grandkids, my husband and I's boys, to come and plant things. And so a couple years ago, grandpa had put specific holes of this is exactly where the carrot seeds are supposed to go in nice, perfectly even lines. And he handed the seed of packets to our oldest son, Benaya, and said, put a seed in each one of these holes. And so Beniah began uh, to put the seeds in the holes and he had filled up all the holes and he looked in and he still had seeds. And in this exact moment, grandpa had turned his back. And when grandpa turned back around, the seed packet was gone, completely dumped everywhere, all over without regard to holes, all over the place, billions of carrots planted in about a split second. And so grandpa was like, what did you do? And he's like, I had more seeds, so I planted them. We had a stupid amount of carrots at grandma and grandpa's that year, and the kids loved it. But it reminds me of a verse in the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, and it talks about the idea of a seed. And if we will plant our seeds sparingly, then we will reap a harvest sparingly. But if we'll plant our seeds like Beniah and just put them everywhere, then a huge harvest will come back to us. And this is obviously an analogy for the idea of seed is finances, seed is resources. And so when we plant our resources into the kingdom work of God, we have a choice to do it sparingly because uh, out of fear or to do it in a trusting manner where we just put it out there and we know that our God is able and will pour out blessings onto us. So I hope that you consider that this morning and it encourages you to put your trust in God. 
All right, well, let's pray over the offering. God, you are good. You are faithful to us. Thank you for the ways that you pour out blessings upon us. And God, there are those in this room that are wrestling with trusting you with their money, and we pray that you would embolden their faith. And God, for those who are hurting financially, we pray that you would supernaturally provide for them and pour resources into their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Well, in just a couple of weeks, we have a big event called Super Kids Conference. This is targeting kids in elementary school um, in grades uh, second through going into sixth grade. And it's awesome. But just to give moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas a little update on what it is, is it's kind of what you would think of as a traditional day camp thing. It starts on Sunday morning at the 11 o'clock service, and it continues until five o'clock on Sunday, and then it goes from nine to five on Monday and Tuesdays. We will have a full camp staff that There'll be camp nursing to take care of medical needs. There'll be leaders with groups of 10 kids each kind of working and getting to know your kids. And the reason this event really matters is this is the number one time we have with your elementary schoolers to really invest in them in a big way. We're gonna make sure that your kid or grandkid has heard the gospel message in a way that they can receive, that they'll have a chance to go to heaven forever as a result of connecting at this camp. We're gonna make sure that they know that they can bring their hurts to Jesus and that he can heal them. And we're gonna pray over them for that to happen, that whatever rejection or fear or whatever's holding them back, that they'll be free from that. We really get into some cool stuff spiritually and we help them grow. Also, we'll load up a bus. We're gonna go to Get Air. We're gonna go to Lincoln. And park pool. We're going to do all different kinds of activities. We'll use our own activities that we have that the church family has blessed us with here at Fellowship. It's awesome. It's awesome. And spots are running out $79, but don't let money stop you from signing up your kids. There's been people that have come forward and said they're happy to scholarship. So whatever you need to do, but you can talk to me in the West Pergola over there and I'll answer any questions you have about the Super Kids Conference because it's going to be amazing. Now, I wanna share with you a story of a life of someone within our church family and how they've served and how serving has changed their family. I'm Zach Lyon, this is my wife, Morgan Lyon. We serve in the kids' nursery side of church, uh, four and five-year-olds, and we love every second of it. So Morgan and I, um, we live in Silt. We came to fellowship for probably a year and a half and came faithfully to service every Sunday um, but we didn't plug in, we didn't serve. We, we left we, right after. We didn't meet anybody. Fast forward a year and a half, we felt like God was calling us to serve. We were trying to figure out a way we could serve and plug in, but like what fit our lifestyle? Because at the time we had two young kids and the red team seemed like a perfect fit, but then I was super nervous about the realistic part of being committed every Sunday. The blessings that we started receiving after we, shortly after we started serving, yeah. um, I mean, we could, we could write a chapter book on the blessings that we've received. Well, the first one for me that comes to mind is friendships that we've made. Like we yeah. said, the, you the know. value that it brought yeah. to our life. We didn't know that we were missing that piece, yeah. uh, but they were people that we met because we started serving. If somebody was sitting here today and, and thinking about serving, if you're even thinking about it, get up and do it because the blessings, you're only missing out on what God has in store for you. Yes. There's literally a whole heap of gifts that he has for you and they're right there for the taking, but you have to be obedient. You have to take the step and be obedient. There are so many opportunities um, and ways that you can serve if you want to get on the church center app or go to the info center um, and just find something that fits for you. If you're on the edge, just do it. It is so worth it.
obviously, if a person decides to begin serving, it's going to impact the children or the people that they're ministering to. But what we overlook sometimes is the huge impact it has on the person who serves. Like God reserves a supernatural blessing, strength, joy, peace, all kinds of stuff for people who say, you know what, I'm busy, but I'm gonna sacrifice and I'm gonna choose to serve. Obviously, since I'm in charge of youth and kids, I want you to serve in youth and kids. But there are many other ways you can serve. You can join this amazing choir. You can join security. You can join uh, the bookstore staff, all different places. You gotta find your niche and find where it's gonna where it's gonna work for you. Speaking of this choir, they've been working really hard on this amazing special. Check it out. Church, stand to your feet with us and join us in this song because I know that we all have a testimony, amen? Sorry. Yes, I 
see all of you guys here in the service. Thank you so much for tuning in from home. We are so glad you guys have done that. We hope that you will come back to a live service here at Fellowship Church in a very short time. When you are comfortable, come on back in here. There is something about being in a room of worshipers, passionate lovers of God, serving Him and loving Him. It is amazing. If you're not dead, God's not done. Oh, I need to say it again. If you're not dead, God's not done. I can't tell you the number of 30-year-olds who got a divorce who thought their life was over. 30. I can't tell you the number of 20-year-olds whose career didn't turn out the way they thought it should, and they thought their happiness would never really kind of take place. People that have gone through things in this life, and especially those, a number of them that I talked to, and even on the uh, uh, the sidewalk right after the first service of people who built companies, worked very hard for 20, 30, 40 years to build a company that was closed down uh, during the COVID year, and they haven't been able to build it back. And they will say, I, I just feel like I don't have the energy. I don't feel like it'll ever happen again. I feel like that window of opportunity is now passed, and I'm too old. I don't have the strength. I'm tired. Listen, if you are tired, take a nap and get back in the game. You have to compete, you have to be energetic, and you have to do what God wants you to do. Against all odds, if you're not dead, factor in God. A number of people have thought, well, I won't get married. I, I won't ever find the right guy. I'm 27 and it looks like, are you kidding me? God can do all things, and I am so excited. This is going to be a break-free couple of weeks for you. I'm going to just start it this week, finish it next week. And again, thank you so much for being in the service. Let me pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for enthusiastic worshipers and servers. I do not know if I could do life in a sleepy church. I don't, I don't think I could, Father. That's not how you wired me up. So thank you for the encouragement. Thank you so much for the people around us. Thank you for how you blessed our church. This is a wonderful and a unique place. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you are doing here. And thank you for letting us serve you, for we love you. Thank you for equipping us, calling us. Thank you for giving us the energy. Thank you for giving us the clarity of mind. And Father, use me today. Please give me clarity of mind and thought. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for being a part of God's plan, and I mean that. 
And if you don't know what God's plan is, it's very clear in the Bible. It is to accomplish his work here on earth while you are alive. It's clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 where the Bible refers to you and I as God's fellow workers. Now that's incredible that you and I have been teamed up with the creator of this universe to accomplish purposes that were ordained at the very beginning of time. And it's not that God couldn't accomplish all this on his own. We find out in Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 that he can speak things into existence. So it's not like he needs us. He chooses to use us alongside of him, and then he blesses us because of our involvement with him in his kingdom work. We see that all the way back to the Old Testament when God determined to mark off the boundaries of the nation of Israel. He chose Abraham to walk with him to make that claim of that land. When Israel uh, needed rescuing from Egypt's bondage, God chose a one-man army in Moses to bring plagues against that country of Egypt to accomplish that rescue. When 400 false prophets of Baal threatened Israel's warfare, it was God and Elijah that climbed Mount Carmel and defeated them. In the New Testament, Jesus himself chose 12 apostles to team up with. And then when Jesus left and ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to work with us, and in general to do life with us. Partnership with God is his divine plan for man. And when God's people don't partner with him, we miss out on the blessings that he plans to give us in this life. So we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and everybody, unmovable. Be strong and immovable. That means don't quit. Always, the Bible says, work, and what's that word? Enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is useless. The Bible describes Christianity, always has, as being dynamic and energetic. The word used here is zealous. There's nothing in the life of a Christian that should be lethargic. There's nothing in the life of one of God's churches that should be lethargic or lazy or sleepy. And when talking about the Christian life, the New Testament uses descriptors, action verbs like this, fight, run, contend, seize, labor, exercise, worship, serve, conquer, and defeat. Now, although you and I in this very busy life have been given inner peace through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, this Christian life that God wants us to live is not a life of leisure. The word here, compel, in the Bible, when it refers to us talking to others about Jesus and how to have a relationship with God through him, that word compel literally means to tear people from Satan's clutches. So we are called to be aggressive. We are called to take action, and therefore we are called to be doers of the Word of God and not just listeners all the time. And it is Satan himself, our enemy, that comes against those of us who are doers of the Word. And the number one way, and this is where I really need you to tune in because I think this is going to land home for you today. The number one way that the enemy comes against those of us that are trying to partner with God is by using the tool of discouragement. Discouragement is what the enemy uses to settle into the hearts and the minds 
of those of us who are trying to serve him. And one of the reasons why the enemy uses discouragement against Christians is because the enemy knows that the we will be downcast. We will be defeated or, de or deflated. Even a sleepy spirit will come upon us if we are discouraged. And it goes against God's strategy for reaching people. So this is why it's important that you and I don't quit. This is a very serious matter that you and I would spend our life in a purpose of serving our Heavenly Father and being a part of His kingdom work. And for the child of God, for the Christian, there is no retirement. There is no calling it quits. If, if you, if there is no for you and I falling short to say we're only going to serve till we're 20 or 30 or 40 and then quit after that and leave it to a different generation. The Bible tells us that we are not to fall short. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says that we're to finish. And then he tells Timothy this. He says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course, and I kept the faith. Guys, the life that you and I are going to live on this earth, if it is going to be successful and we are going to enjoy the blessings of God, is going to include a fight. I'm looking at a group of people in this room that you fought to get where you are. If your marriage is good, if your relationship was good, you fought to get there. If your finances are good, you fought to get back from a difficult year. If you have anything going on in your life that's successful, it, did not be, it was not handed to you easily. You had to fight to get there. Come hell or high water, you fought to be able to have the blessings of God on your life against an enemy that brought all odds against you, especially last year. And you're not going to give it away. You're not going to easily walk away from it. The Apostle Paul, when you look at him that wrote most, wrote most of the New Testament, said, I fought. My life was a fight, he said. And then he said, I ran my course. If you're a born-again child of God and have any level of success on your life whatsoever, you have to run your course. You can't run somebody else's course. My course gives me enough problem as it is. Busy running your own course Christians do not have time to be nosy in anybody else's life because I got enough on my own course to worry about what's going on with you. I got enough to fix in Dan Hooper that I don't have to worry about what's going on in your You got to fix your world. You, Paul said, I fought a good fight. I ran. He didn't say your course. I ran. I've been given a course. My course is not to be a missionary in Africa. My course is not to run all over the world. My course are the people of Grand Junction, Colorado, and they're a big enough mess for me to have to mess with for the rest of my life. So what's your course? Stay on your course. Stay on track. And then he said, I kept the faith. Man, I thought I was going to lose my mind, but I kept the faith. I lost the job, but I kept the faith. I lost the relationship, but I kept the faith. I lost my marriage, but I kept the faith. I lost my career starting over at the age 55, but I kept my faith in God. that He's been good to me, and he's going to bring me through all these things. Now, why is it, though, so many people start off their Christian life grateful? They start off appreciative. They start off so excited. They start off thankful that they're saved and they want to serve, they want to do something, and they're on fire for God. And something happens along the way where they say, that season is over. I need to let somebody else do it. You're in church, you're in the will of God, you and your wife, you're worshiping, you're, doing, you're giving, you're doing all these kind of things, and great blessings are on your life. And how come, though, guys, how come so many people quit? 
So many people come through the doors of the church and they get a little help and they're on fire for God and then all of a sudden they're gone and they're out and they're back to their old way of life. Why does that happen? Well, Simon Peter was not just one of the 12 when it comes to Jesus. He was one of the three. God, Jesus had 12 apostles, but he also had three that were part of his inner circle. So when he would sometimes pull away three, he never gave the nine an, an explanation of why he did it. He just chose who he chose to be around him when he wanted them around him. And Simon Peter was one of those three. Now, Simon Peter had a mouth on him. We see that. Anybody here relate to that? Anybody? You want to nudge the person sitting beside you because they're lying in the house of God right now? Simon Peter had a mouth on him, so many times he would say things that would get him in trouble, and one of the times he said it, he said it to Jesus, he said, all these other people are betraying you, I will not betray you. And Jesus said, well, before morning, before the rooster crows, you're not only going to betray me, but you're going to deny knowing me three times. No, Simon Peter, I mean, he's a personality type, he's up for a fight. But two times now, before I get to this story, he's already denied knowing Jesus. And here we are in Luke chapter 22, verse 59. About an hour later, after his second denial of knowing Christ, another man insisted, certainly this man was with him, for he is a Galilean. Man, I do not know what you are talking about, Peter replied. And while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows tomorrow. You're going to deny knowing me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. There is a reality <clears throat> that every person is going to have to wrestle with and overcome and defeat if you and I are ever going to reach our full potential in this life. If a person is ever going to experience life as God intended for you to experience, you are going to have to do battle with and you are going to have to win over the emotion called regret. Regret is a sense of sadness and disappointment over a season or a circumstance where you were the primary contributor over your own calamity. Man, I should have put that on the side screen. I'll read it again. Regret is a sense of sadness or disappointment over a season or a circumstance where you were the primary contributor over your own calamity. Regret is the emotional response to the revelation that I just got in my own way. I messed this up. I did it. I said that. I missed out on that season. I made a wrong decision. I waited too long when the window was open and now that window is closed. We all have some of that. And God wants to use that regret in our life. Watch this. Not to beat us up. God wants to use that regret in our life because we all have it. We all have it. We've all done something. He wants to use that for our education. He wants us to learn from it. Why did I make that decision? Why did I hang out with that person? Why did I take that? Why did I look at that? Why did I cause this to be an addiction? What was it that caused me to do that thing that cost me so much? He wants us to use as an education to learn from it. And once we learn from it, this is the important part. He wants us to move on from it. 
Now, the enemy doesn't want to use it for an education. The enemy wants to use regret in our life for stagnation, to revel in it, to keep revisiting it, and to stay stuck because of it. The enemy wants us to mismanage regret until it evolves into a longer-term emotional dysfunction called guilt. Guilt puts us in a groove, not in a good way, but in a rut. It puts us in a rut that is stuck in seasons where God has a long time ago moved on from. When you continue to punish yourself for a crime that God has expunged from your record, take a look at the side screen, for you cannot be the person you need to be for your future if you keep punishing yourself for the person you used to be in your past. Now, here's the good news. This is your getting out of jail free card. This is your breaking loose from prison free card. God wants you to move on from seasons of regret that have turned into personal guilt. See, some of you have been stuck in a version of yourself that God wants you to finally evolve out of being that person. I love the fact that we have a deliverance ministry here in our church, and I'm thankful for it. Deliverance, if you don't know, is basically just spiritual warfare. And it's casting a way of demons that are attacking your life, uh, open doors that you may have given to them. It's casting them away from you. Jesus dealt with this in every city he went into. So this is not something you can ignore. Deliverance has to do with spiritual welfare because we have a demonic realm that comes against you and your family, your mind and your marriage, your relationship and your money. I mean, that's where your enemy comes from. He's got an army, right? But deliverance is not just the casting away or the spiritual warfare in the area of demons. Deliverance is most of the time, stay with me, mindsets being altered. Many times the, 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 what you need in, in your life to be able to move on or get out of a structure is to get your mindset altered. That God has forgiven you of the thing that you have done in the past. That he wants you to move on from it. He's already left that season that you keep hanging out in. And the Bible teaches us that we are to be a people that continually move with God, not stay stuck in old mindsets that God has already healed us from. We see this all the time. People are often unable to recover because they are constantly revisiting what they cannot re revise. Oh man, I wish I'd have put that on the side screen. I gotta say it again. People are often unable to recover because they are constantly revisiting what they cannot revise. They can't change it. So instead of using the motivation of regret to launch you into a new future, many times people allow themselves to be stuck in old verbiage like, well, I could have, or I should have, or I wish I would have, instead of adopting new faith verbiage like, but God still can. God will still do great things in my life. He can usher in new seasons. He can rebuild my marriage. He can make my relationship what I've always wanted it to be. He can take my body and my mind and bring healing to it. He can rebuild my company and restore my financial, my financial success in the past and then some. He still can. Well, I, I, my heart's been broken and I'm 45 years old. I don't know that I'll ever have a Real great relationship with a godly man. God still can. God still can. He's not stuck in an old season. 
He started up a brand new season. He can walk somebody right up to you right now before you ever get out of this church. Have him meet you as you go to Starbucks with him for coffee today. Today. Well, I don't know. I'm old. I'm old. Well, somebody talked to Sarah. Because when Sarah thought life was over and she'd never have a kid, at the age of 90, she got pregnant by a 99-year-old man. <laughs> Baby at the age of 91. Now, for some of you sitting out there, you're thinking 91 years of age and a baby, that's like a horror movie, right? <laughs> but there is no age limit on the God factor in your life. It doesn't matter what you've been through, your heart been broken, or, or the deal, things that you've dealt with. God can still do whatever. He can usher in a new season. He can open up a new door. He can give you a brand new window. God's not done. God is not done. Listen, you need to hear this. God is not done with you. Regardless of how you've been hurt in the past, regardless of what you've gone through, or regardless of what you lost, God can still open up an crazy, crazy, amazing future for you uh, ahead. Now, this is exactly what happened to Simon Peter. You take a look at it a little bit later in the story. Simon Peter, Jesus was crucified, falsely accused and crucified. A little bit later, G Simon goes back to his old way of living. That, that's what I was talking about, right? On fire for God, you know, a major player, and now going back to his old lifestyle, like he did before he knew Christ. And the Bible says Jesus went after him. And when he finally met him, Simon had been fishing all night long, and Jesus said, have you caught any fish? Now, that is not something to ask a very tired fisherman that you can see has not caught any fish. And Simon answers, no, we worked all night long. We didn't catch anything. And Jesus tells him, go back out, cast out again. Now, here's what you need to know about fishing in that culture. Fishing was only done at night. The best fishing was at night. Why? Because the fish couldn't see the nets at night. No good fisherman would fish in the daytime, but God, or Jesus told Simon, go out, cast your nets out again, because your season is whenever God says your season is, not when it makes sense to you, your friends, or your peer group. If God says this is your season, nobody can stop it. All you got to do is get out of your own head and walk into it. Well, it doesn't make sense, and I don't know that I understand that. Your season is with God says your season is regardless of your age. And catch this, it is also with who God says it is with. Mm. If you'll let me, I'm going to make a statement. It's a real tender for some of you, but it's, it'll set you free if you let me, okay? Your destiny was never tied to anyone who walked out of your life. If somebody can walk out of your life, let them walk. Because your season was never tied to them. Stop looking at the back of their shirt and start looking at your heavenly father who can usher in a new season and new relationships into your life that'll make your dreams come true. If they could walk, you were never tied. Your future, your joy. And this is really tender. When that loved one, that spouse that you had died, your destiny was tied to them up to the point that God took them home.
Your life is not over. Your future is not over. Your dreams are not over because your heavenly Father creates new seasons for you. Well, Pastor, I've had, a, I've had a bad past and I've been hurt by a lot of people. I've been devastated. I don't know that I'll ever trust another man. And there's just as many men saying, I don't know. I got a wall up. I don't know that I'll ever trust another woman. And I don't know that I'll ever be happy again. I mean, if you knew my story, take a look at the side screen. The only way to overcome a bad past is to create an amazing future. The only way you can overcome a bad past of somebody abusing you or somebody lying to you or somebody betraying you or a man walking out of your life is to create an amazing future and then drive it by his house and let him see it. Okay, I shouldn't have said that part. I apologize. Lord, I apologize. But let God rule your life. Let him rule. If you're not dead, God's not done. I don't care how old you are. 95-year-old Billy Graham still, before he died, put out a video. Many people have been saved by it. You're not done. You're not done. Don't care how old you are. You're not done. I was uh, talking to my mom before she died. She had uh, uh, dementia right before she died, and she said a lot of things didn't make sense. But one of the things I was talking to her, I said, Mom, what do you do all day long? What do you do? She said, well, son, she called me Danny. Well, Danny... I sit out here on the porch a lot, and I just sit and spend time in my own thoughts. I thought, that is a bad place to spend time. Your mind is crazy. Your thoughts are crazy. We, our mind is not our God. God is our God. And what God says overrules anything that our mind wants to think. We line our thinking up based on what's said the Word of God. We don't line our life up based on what our mind thinks. Ooh, man. So is God your God or is your mind your God? Have, have you guys ever had crazy thoughts? Come on, man. Don't make me up here all, be, leave me up here all by myself. But you ever thought come to your life where you think, where did that come from? Have you ever had these terrible thoughts that somebody's going to get hurt or whatever? And you go, oh, oh, no, oh. And kind of kick yourself out of it to think about something else. Have you ever had your mind fight against your future? That's what our mind does. And for many of us, when we change our mindset, we start lining our life up on what saith the word of God. God, if this is what you want me to do, this is what I am going to do. All of a sudden, man, we realize that God is not done with us. I've seen a lot of pain. 32 plus years from the people in our church that you've gone through. Being here over 32 plus years, I've watched teenagers turn into young married couples and young married couples turn into parents and then payback happens and then <laughs> young parents turn into grandparents. And then I've seen you all turn into ministers for when a loved one dies, you stand before your family member and you take the coaching that you've received from pastors and Man, now all of a sudden you're ministering to your family members and friends that come to that funeral service. I've seen that. But I've also watched people get a divorce who you would have never thought they would get a divorce. People walked out of women's lives or men's lives you never thought would happen, leaving somebody with three kids. 
abandonment, I've seen it. Hearts being broken, I've seen it. Sickness, illness, getting to 62, 63 years of age, going to be able to do a little something, cancer sets in, and now everything's focused on an illness. I've seen lives abruptly changed, hearts broken. I've seen it in the, the death of babies and children and parents and spouses, all in this room, all of them in this room. And I've heard a number of people in every different age and stage of life say and believe that their life was over. And then I saw them tuck into God. I saw them not let go of their faith. I seen God make their dreams come true, bless them in the next season of life, in the next half of life. I've seen God do this in the lives of so many, and I still believe for every person in this room that if you are not dead, God is not done with you. Regardless of what you have gone through, your dreams can still come true. Your heart can still be blessed. The best is coming for you. Your relationship, your marriage, your money, your finances, all of them come to you because why? You focused in on one major factor in your life. You partnered with God in what's most important to God, and God blesses you with those things that he knows you need. Never take the God factor off the table. Never take it off the table. Man, would you all stand with me, please? bow your heads with me just for a second. I want to ask a question and I want you to keep it real with me. How many of you have almost given up hope in this life? Would you raise your hand? Come on, raise it. Okay. We hear it all the time. That's why the hands don't surprise me. The enemy hits you with seasons where you get discouraged and you feel hopeless and you think I don't have a future. I'll never have my dreams. I look at other people and, and it seems like life came easy for them and they're, what they're dealing with. Listen, never believe that when you see another person. They fought with everything they have to get there because they've got the same enemy you've got. But they did not quit. It is not easy to be a man and provide for a family in this life. It is not easy to be a woman and live with a man and help provide for a family in this life. It's not easy to be a parent. It's not easy to be a friend to somebody else. It is not easy to be a born-again child of God that is serving God with an enemy that's trying to take you out. It is not easy. And you fight come hell or high water to be what God wants you to be and to have what God wants you to have. And you will not do it without clarity of mind. You're not going to do it stumbling around on some kind of drug or alcohol. You're not going to do it that way. You're going to have to be clear. You're going to have to compete. You're going to have to be sharp. You're going to have to be energetic. You're going to have to be dynamic. And you're going to have to go for it day after day after day. Stay home and stay safe is over, ladies and gentlemen. It's over. It's get out there, go for it. If you get sick, go home, get well, and get back out there. Don't let the enemy rob you of something that fear based that decision. We are born again children of God. We have a heavenly father that gives us our purpose, gives us our assignment, gives us our equipping, gives us our energy, gives us our protection, and sends us out to do what he wants us to do.
And I'm going to tell you what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me laying on my face in the prayer center in Colorado Springs one time when I was so tired and so beat up. Are you ready? Child of God, brother and sister, quit being a crybaby. You're a warrior in the family of God. So get off your crybaby face. Crybaby, crybaby, baby who cries. And get back at it. Taking your assignments from your heavenly father. And he will make your dreams come true. Well, I'm about giving up. Well, is God dead? Are you dead? Okay, so if you're not dead, here's a little twist. You're not done. Uh-oh, if you're not dead, you're not done. God's best, his very best, is ahead for you. Well, I got regrets, I messed up, we all do. I feel guilt, shouldn't have done it. Okay, okay, God forgave you. See, God forgiving you gets you into heaven. You forgiving yourself causes you to move forward. Woo, let that sink in. Let it sink in now. If God forgave you, you're going to heaven. But until you forgive yourself, you're not moving forward. So forgive it, let it go, and get on with it. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting prayer support to 94,000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with one of our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.